Well, Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus, who is the bread of life. And um, Lord, we thank you for the truths of this passage, which uh, remind us of your provision, of your goodness, of your love, of your grace toward us. Lord, would you uh, forgive us for uh, our apathy, our indifference, Father, for uh, our rebellion against you. And um, Lord, would you soften our hearts, that Lord, we would be receptive to the truth of your word. And that, um, that, Father, we would hold nothing back, that we lay it all out, and, um, and Father, surrender our lives to you wholeheartedly. That we'd be the men that you call us to be, strong and courageous. Uh, and leaders, Father, within our community and our spheres of influence, at work and at our home, and, um, and Father, in our, in our church. We love you, Lord, and thank you for Jesus and his grace. Amen. All right. Well, fellas, come on in. Well, this is the last week of Summit. Those that survived the cut. You remember we talked the very first week about those surviving the cut, and the challenge was raised uh, for you guys to, to stay strong and to stick with it. And, um, and so I appreciate you guys' faithfulness and memorizing those verses and studying God's Word and, and, uh, and loving those in your group to continue to excel still more. Uh, today we're studying the book of, uh, or, yes, the book of John, but we're studying chapter 6. And if you remember, chapter 5 ends with um, Jesus speaking about those things which give testimony to who he is. And he speaks of how John gave testimony to who he is and how his works give testimony to who he is. How the Father and how Scripture speaks of him. And all these things point to, to the fact that Jesus is indeed the very Son of God. And then chapter 5 ends with Christ saying, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And this is just a great little transition to how Jesus is talking about, hey, if you understood what Moses wrote, and these are people, the Jews, who prided themselves on understanding what, uh, what Moses wrote, he's saying, hey, if you understood what Moses wrote, then certainly you would see that he wrote and spoke of me. And you wouldn't miss it. You wouldn't be so confused when I tell you that I'm from the Father. And so with that background, we see chapter 6 opening with Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now you've got to remember, um, you'll see, go ahead and put this slide up, fellas. This chapter, you, see, you have two miracles and then you have really two messages. The first miracle is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it's almost as if John is segueing from the end of what Jesus just said there in chapter 5 to make the point of, hey, someone greater than Moses is here. Someone um, who is very God. Moses, if you remember in um, Exodus uh, chapter 16, um, the people had wandered or had left uh, Egypt, right? And they were in the wilderness. And God provided for them. He provided bread. He provided manna for them for every day of the week. And they were only to take what um, was uh, enough portion for, for one day. And they were to trust God that he would provide again the next day. And then on the Sabbath day, um, he was, they were not to take any because they were going to be given double the day before. And God was trying to help them understand to depend on them. 
And so you have this whole idea of, in, in chapter 6 here, how it opens, is to show that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the source of life. And someone greater than Moses, someone who did even greater miracles than what Moses did and what the Father provided in the, in the Old Testament, he's here, and it's Christ. And so you see Jesus feeding the 5,000, then you see him walking on water. And then you see two messages. One to the multitude where he goes, um, where he explains this whole idea of, I'm the bread of life. How he moves from feeding the 5,000 to now using that to illustrate a theological truth. And then he turns to the 12 to end this chapter. And his message is really simple. Hey, do you want to go away as well? I've shared some hard things and other people are leaving. What about you? What's your response going to be? A few basic observations you'll see through this chapter. It's just repeated words. The words not just repeated in this chapter, but they're thematic throughout the whole book. And they should give us an idea of what John is trying to communicate. Those words are signs, life, believe, bread. I mean, even if you just take a superficial read of this chapter, you'll see these same words are repeated over and over and over again. And that should give us some ideas to the meaning behind this chapter. And what John's trying to communicate. But another thing you'll observe, and I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, was a contrast. And the contrast is, is seen in this huge pendulum swing, if you will. From John uh, 6.15 to verse 66. If you look, you'll see in verse 15 it says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. In verse 15, the people are enamored with Christ because he provided bread. And he provided fish for them to eat. And he met their needs, their physical needs. And they wanted to make him king. But then all of a sudden, just a few short verses later, in verse 66 it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So I'm reading that chapter and I'm going, man, what happened between 15 where you're saying, hey, that's our king, let's follow him. And then verse 66 where everybody's taken off. They're leaving. So I'm sitting there scratching my head and I'm going, man, let's look at what Jesus claims and what Jesus did in between. How do we account for that swing in popularity? Well, it's this very idea that what Jesus says repeatedly, he is the bread of life. Why was that so insulting? Why would that... Why would that be something to where they would say, hey, we want you to be king, and then hear what he explains, what he means when he says, I'm the bread of life, to now they're just saying, hey, you know what, we don't want anything to do with you. And even those closest with him were walking away from him. To where he just could only look at 12 and say, hey, man, you're going to leave too? Jesus wasn't out to win popularity contests, clearly. In fact, when they wanted to make him king, he said, hey, you don't understand. I'm not about meeting your expectations about doing the Father's will. And so he uses this moment after he's fed the multitude, he uses this moment to explain to them who he is. And what he says is, is that he is the bread of life. And the meaning of that is is really pretty simple. It's just as we are dependent upon 
food for physical sustenance, Jesus is making the point, hey, you must believe and trust in Him for spiritual or eternal life. It's essential for us to eat in order for us to live and thrive. It is essential and necessary for us to trust in Christ to have a relationship with the Father and experience eternal life. Well, see, the, the Jews at this time, what they believed the way to eternal life was, was obedience to the law. Obedience to the law. And what you see is, is Jesus, throughout this chapter, making a contrast between who he is and what he provides and who Moses was and what Moses provided. As great as Moses was, he pointed to the one who was to come, who was the true bread of life. Jesus is the bread from heaven, sent from the Father, who has seen the Father. And when you trust in Him, you will not die, but you'll have eternal life. But He makes the point in verses 49 and 50, those who came before you, your fathers, they ate the bread in the wilderness, but they still died. And it was a source of provision that God provided for them. But make no mistake about it, someone greater than Moses is here. And it's essential for you to trust in, in me and know who I am. So that you can have eternal life. Not one day's provision. It's not the law of Moses game. It's not systems and regulations and what you do or don't do by which you're going to have a right relationship with the Father. It's in whom you trust. And this was offensive to the Jews. Bottom line, Jesus doesn't meet their expectations, and he demands their full allegiance. And so they withdrew. Verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew, and were not walking with him anymore. You know, I read that, uh, as I said, I just read the end of that chapter, and it just struck me. And I thought about friends and family members who I know who... um, and they, at one point, they had a vibrant walk with Christ, or so it seemed. Only later today, when I think about it, I sit there and go, man, my heart aches. Because they're no longer walking with Him. Something happened. One day in their life, they said, hey, Lord, I'm going to make you king. I believe in you. And then, a short time later, they withdrew. Not unlike the multitude here in this passage. So a few questions for you to consider. What are some of the reasons why people you know have walked away from Christ? What challenges in their life, what experiences, what obstacles have they faced that um, have caused them now to, to walk away? How is it in their mind that perhaps the Lord hasn't met their expectations? What were they told about what a relationship with Christ would provide for them, that now they've no longer felt like it's worth it? Has it been too hard? Have they experienced loss and suffering? Is their love for this world or money or pleasure so great, they're just like, you know what? This isn't worth it. The cost is too high. Based on what you've learned from John 6 and who Jesus is, what would the Lord have you share with them today? If you could sit down with him this morning and share a cup of coffee and encourage them, what would he have you share? 
And finally, what threatens your own allegiance to Christ? What threatens your allegiance to Christ? What's going to keep you from being one of those guys that in time just goes, you know what, I think I'm done? Is it apathy, indifference? Maybe you're just in a slow drift, you know, going through the motions. Again, we all have friends who have chosen to, for one reason or another, to walk away, just like you see right here. And my heart aches for those that I love who no longer are pursuing Christ. And there's been friends who have been in this room who have chosen to walk away. I think the Lord's laid on my heart, and I hope He's laid it on yours this morning, is that we have an opportunity to re-engage, if you will, with those friends and talk to them about the one who says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me is never going to hunger. He who believes in me, he'll never thirst. What about you? It was this passage, gang, that, um, that sticks out to me. Um, many of you know, uh, three years ago, my son was diagnosed with, with cancer. And on those first couple of nights there, um, man, it was like a time bomb had gone off in my life. And uh, I remember being all alone. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. Of course, I couldn't sleep. Uh, terrified that my little boy was going to pass away. He's four years old. He looked so small in that bed, and he looked so sick. I mean, so sick. And um, those first initial weeks, are, um, they, just, they load you with chemotherapy. And this nurse, literally, this nurse walks in with uh, a gown on, goggles, um, gloves, um, little footies over her feet, the whole bit. I mean, like a space uniform. And I'm looking at her going, what are you doing? And uh, she goes, well, um, and before we administer this drug, uh, we have to wear this so none of it gets on our skin. And I'm going, you're going to put that in my son? And you're so scared that you're wearing gloves and masks and, and goggles? And that truly was the, the worst night of my life. And, uh, and she left, and I sat by that bed, and I just cried. And uh, he looked so bad. And you know... Um, that night, I mean, as much Bible as I have learned, it was like my mind was blank. It was like I just had nothing to draw from. And I remembered I just asking the Lord, Lord, please, I would do anything. I will do anything for my son to live. Anything. And, uh, and there was one passage, one passage, a scripture that came to my mind. And it was John chapter 6. Where I just remembered that all the disciples said, Hey, you know what? We don't want to keep following you. And they walked away. And Jesus looks and says to Peter, Hey, you going to go? Are you guys going to leave as well? And Peter rather says, He goes, You'll see, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. 
And it was at that moment that I just sat there and it was like the Lord just, I mean, it's like He just touched my heart. And He just said, Hey, Blake, are you going to leave? Are you going to trust me? And it was, at, it was at that moment I sat there and I go, Hey, this is much of a spiritual battle as it is anything else. And the one who gave his son, that's what he kept screaming at me, hey, I gave you my son. Now you need to trust me with yours. Has never been easy. But man, it brought clarity. And I ask you, gang, I ask you, what's threatening your relationship with Christ right now? How strong do you feel like your faith is right now? For whatever circumstance comes, that's been the greatest test of my faith. And this passage, in Peter's example, reminded me of the Lord's goodness and that He has the words of eternal life. Despite if all the hell going on around you, gang, it's worth pursuing Christ. It's worth pursuing Him. Even when it looks like the world around you is just falling apart. He remains good and He's the bread of life. And those who come to Him, they will not hunger. And those who believe in Him, they will never thirst. You believe that? I mean, do you believe it? Let's pray. Lord in heaven, We thank you for your son, Jesus, and that he is the bread of life. That someone greater than Moses has come, who can meet our deepest needs. Not just our daily provision, Lord, for physical sustenance, but Lord, uh, Father, our need for a Savior, our need for hope, our need for life, our need for resurrection. I pray, Father, you would guard our hearts, Lord, from uh, apathy, indifference. I pray, Lord, that you give us a greater love for those around us, that we'd be bolder in our message and in our testimony, that others would come to know you, Lord, that we'd re-engage with those, Father, who used to be in our groups and are no longer here with us, used to come to Watermark or used to be plugged in and walking with you, and for one reason or another have walked away. Help us, Lord, to be your men to speak truth in our life, to encourage and to remind them. And Father, would you build our faith that, Father, uh, nothing, nothing would cause us to ever walk away from you. And thank you, Father, that for those of us uh, who have trusted in your Son, Jesus, have placed our faith in you that nothing can snatch us out of your hand. And we love you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey guys, just a few uh, housekeeping announcements. When you walked in, you should have received um, a little brochure right here on some of our equipping opportunities. And the reason I want to put this in front of you is there are several things in here uh, specifically for dads. We've got core classes that are coming up in, uh, in January. And I really would encourage you to take advantage of these. And then we will um, start again in February with uh, our men's breakfast and, and summit repeating again. We're going to be looking at uh, the book of Daniel. And so that's going to be a really fun study. Um, And then also, uh, I want to just say thanks to all of those who have helped to uh, host each week. 
Um, we've had a greeting team here. We've had guys who have helped with breakfast. We've had guys with coffee. Um, guys leading AV and uh, our small group leaders. And for all those who just a purpose to rise even earlier than the rest of us to be up here to make sure that we would be well fed and, and welcomed. I, I really do appreciate that. Thank you for your leadership and your help with that. Um, and um, uh, summit leaders, lastly, summit leaders, if you would, we gave you a checklist this last week. And if you would follow up with that and, and turn that into us, that'd be great help. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. If, we have any, if you have any questions for us, if there's a way in which we can encourage you, then let us know. Thanks.